Today is January the 29th. Today, we learn that God never forgets. We move now as we read through the Bible in a year to the book of Exodus. Please read Exodus 1 through 4. Now, about 400 years has passed since uh, the happenings of the book of uh, Genesis. Joseph has died. And um, early Exodus says that there uh, came a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. I personally think this was probably the Hyksos Empire. The Hyksos were marauders who came into Egypt, overpowered Egypt, and uh, they frankly took the culture and became uh, the ruling class. Um, they didn't know and didn't respect any of the former uh, treaties that Egypt had, and uh, as a result, uh, uh, Israel uh, became slaves to this new ruling class. Um, Israel, however, maintained its cultural identity as it has throughout the ages. Uh, the ruling class believed that they would overpower them just as they had overpowered uh, the previous Egyptians. So uh, they commanded a genocide. The genocide was a little bit different. Uh, kill all the baby boys that were born. Hebrew midwives refused to do that, and Hebrews continued to grow. Chapter 2, we see the story of the birth of Moses as uh, Egyptian soldiers are now commanded to go throughout the camp and kill uh, Hebrew uh, baby boys. Uh, Moses is born. His mother places him, does a very unusual thing, places him in a small basket that she has protected from the water with pitch and sets him afloat on the river near where Pharaoh's daughter comes to bathe. The daughter finds the baby, says this must be one of the Hebrew children, but she takes him and raises him as her own, and she gives him a very interesting name, Moses. Uh, scripture says, I call him Moses because I drew him out of the river. Do you remember uh, King Tut? Uh, King Tut's name was Tut Moses. You see, there was a legend of, of a great pharaoh who would be taken from the river from the mouth of a crocodile. Well, pharaoh's daughter saw this baby, took him from the river, and gave him the name of that legend, Moses. Moses grew, and in chapter 2, uh, he knew he was Hebrew. He was actually raised by his own mother in the Pharaoh's court. But uh, there came a time when he saw an Egyptian uh, beating a Hebrew slave. And Moses, in his attempt to defend the Hebrew, killed the Egyptian, 
Now, that is why Moses decided to flee. It wasn't so much that he was a murderer, although he was. Pharaoh killed a lot of people, but he killed an Egyptian for beating a Hebrew. That would only remind the existing Pharaoh of Moses's uh, descendancy, that he too was a Hebrew, and it would have taken him out of the running to be Pharaoh, and probably uh, Moses would have been killed to ensure that he would never become Pharaoh. So Moses flees. In chapter 3, we catch the story of the burning bush. This becomes very important later because this fire in the bush that is never quenched, that never dies, later comes to lead Israel in the desert, a pillar of fire by day and a cloud of the smoke at night. In chapter 4, the Lord says to Moses, go back to Egypt and free my people. And Moses says, no, several times. The Lord actually debates with Moses. And finally, he says to Moses, Moses, just go. At the end of chapter 4, we have that strange section where the angel of the Lord comes and threatens to kill Moses. Apparently, the issue is that Moses was not circumcised. Zipporah, his wife, recognizing this, circumcises their son and touches the foreskin to Moses' member, uh, signifying Moses' own circumcision. That seems to satisfy the angel, and uh, Moses goes on his way. These four chapters are incredibly packed with information. Enjoy as you read Exodus 1-4 to today. These are the names of the sons of Israel, that is, Jacob, who moved to Egypt with their father, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. In all, Jacob had 70 descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. In that time, Joseph and all his brothers died, ending an entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren, in fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt, who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't and war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. 
They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. Then the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Pura. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called the midwives. Why have you done this? he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. So God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that it was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maids to go and get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying. She felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. The baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day, when Moses went to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the one who had started the fight. The man replied, Who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid, thinking, Everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. And Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water and fill the water troughs for their father's flock. But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds. Then he drew water for their flock. 
When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked, Why are you back so soon today? An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered, and then he drew water for us and watered our flocks. Then where is he? their father asked. Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. Moses accepted the invitation, and he settled there with them. In time, Ruel gave Moses his daughter Zephora to be his wife. Later she gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom. For he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. Years passed, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cries rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching closely. I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. 
the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. The elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then, at last, he will let you go, and I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. They will give you gifts when you go, so you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. But Moses protested again, What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, The Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, What is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, Reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was as white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, If they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, the water of the Nile will turn into blood on the ground. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I am not very good with words. I have never been, and I am not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord said to Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you, and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. So Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law. Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt, Moses said. I don't even know if they are still alive. 
Go in peace, Jethro replied. Before Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, Return to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you have died. So Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand he carried the staff of God. And the Lord told Moses, When you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform all the miracles I have empowered you to do. But I will harden his heart so he will refuse to let the people go. Then you will tell him, This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. I command you, Let my son go so he can worship me. But since you have refused, I will now kill your firstborn son. On the way to Egypt, at the place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. But Moses' wife, Zephorah, took a flint knife and circumcised her son. She touched his feet with the foreskin and said, Now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. When she said, A bridegroom of blood, she was referring to the circumcision. After that, the Lord left him alone. Now the Lord had said to Aaron, Go out into the wilderness and meet Moses. So Aaron went and met Moses at the mountain of God, and he embraced him. Moses then told Aaron everything that the Lord had commanded him to say, and he told him about the miraculous signs the Lord had commanded him to perform. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told him everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had heard their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Scripture reading from the New Living Translation by Emily Herrera. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we see that Pharaoh will know.